first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Okay, now okay, now we're okay. Hey guys, Corey DLG here, hosting another episode of Battle Red Radio. With me as always, producer Nico. That's that's right, producer Nico's hanging out, and of course we are gonna have ourselves a great quick little Tuesday morning episode of Battle Red Radio, bringing to you uh, what we're gonna call like a reaction Tuesday here. It's been four weeks in the NFL. It's time to kind of look the league over. We've been talking ad finitum about the Texans and their struggles. Today, we're going to give everybody a break, and we're going to just kind of look around the NFL and see how everyone else is stacking up. We're going to be quick about it, but we're going to have a real in-depth conversation, and then we're going to talk about this concussion protocol mess. They had a mess up even again Sunday Night Football uh, with Tampa Bay's Cameron Brait. This situation is... It's getting dangerous, and we're going to talk about it right here on Battle Red Radio. Um, so looking over at the league as a whole, only one team 4-0 after four weeks. A lot of times, even week seven or eight, there's there's still a team chasing undefeated. That's not the case. Uh, are you surprised? Uh, we figured it out. We figured the season out, just cut it early. We figured it out the best team in the NFL. <laughs> it's the Philadelphia Eagles. They are 4-0. Uh, behind Jalen Hurts quarterbacking, really the first time he's been handed the reins and just you know no doubts, no questions. Everyone just says, "This is your this is your moment. Go eight mile it, mom spaghetti." I, I yeah, arm arm spaghetti. You got it. I don't know. It's interesting because behind the scenes, in like the writers Discord, there's a bunch of people who've been talking about different quarterbacks and all that. And Jalen Hurts came up in a discussion. And it was clearly divided. There was somebody in there who was like, yeah, Jalen Hurts is having a great year. He's going to be a great quarterback. And there were plenty of people who were like, let's get more than four games through a season before we say Jalen Hurts is going to have a great year. It's it's an interesting situation. The Eagles are in control of their own destiny, a new head coach. They are cruising through. And on top of that, they are in a very vulnerable division. But a division that's overperforming. The Giants are 3-1. and one. The Cowboys are three and one. The Commanders are one and three. I personally think the Commanders, between the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Commanders, I think the Commanders have a more consistent roster, power run, solid defense. However, the Cowboys, if they actually do get Dak Prescott back in the next couple weeks, they're essentially at full strength and they survived their big injury scare, three and one, and that that would be a pretty big deal for them. The Giants being 3-1 also is kind of interesting. Daniel Jones has consistently been good or okay, I guess, is really the fair thing to say. Like, let's be clear. they There was a muff punt. You know, there's a lot of different interesting things. They beat the Bears last week, 20-12. Okay, Justin Fields looked like Justin Fields and still led the game in passing yards. 11-22, of 174. So it's not as though Daniel Jones was lighting it up. Also, kind of important to the story here, 
He did hurt his ankle in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, the backup, Tyrod Taylor, had a concussion scare, so it was withheld for concussion protocol. Daniel Jones had to go back out there and finish the game. These are all good things that happened to them. <laughs> so the Eagles at 4-0, only a one-game lead in what should be a wide-open division, and it's not. And that's probably concerning to them because it – until some of these teams lose a couple of games, they're going to feel the pressure every week to stay ahead. And that's going to be kind of a tougher thing for them to do. Right. Or if they're unequivocally the best team, they're going to be like coasting the rest of the year. They're going to go 17 and 0, win the Super Bowl. Yeah, because that happens greatest... a lot. Yeah, happens all the time. <laughs> this is how I'm judging the season now that we're 25% of the way through it. Yeah, this happens all the time. The Bengals, Super Bowl losers of last year are 2-2 two and two and have a lot of question marks. Now, to be clear, coming into last season, they had the same issues. They were like, we we had we struggled to protect. Joe Burrow, the year before, had had a knee injury. And so coming back that uh, last year, they were kind of like, we have to keep him upright. We've got to protect him more. And they did, at best, an okay job. Really, it's kind of Joe Burrow's job to stay up and on his feet and read the defenses and get rid of the ball quickly and deliver on time. That's going to be a theme because it's something that personally I think Davis Mills struggles with is recognizing, yes, it's first and 10, and yes, we just got the ball, and yes, we're down seven or something, but not actually recognizing, okay, I need to get the ball out of my hands right away so we don't take a sack, and then it's second and 12 or second and 15. Like, we have to stay on schedule. And that becomes Joe Burrow's job, you know? So he finished the game uh, Thursday night, which we're obviously we're going to come back to because of the Tua situation. But he only finished it with 287 yards and only two touchdowns. However, they won an important game, and they got him back to 2-2. Two and two, And they looked pretty sweet in the white jerseys. Yeah, it's a good look for them for sure. But, I mean, he's been – he's been. They were in, they, they were in all whites with the black tiger lines. It, yeah, looked, it, it, looked, uh, like, it looked really I did, good. I did hear, like, a startling statistic. And this is – I mean, I think this was, like, a week two or three stat, but it was, like – if his sacks continue, he's going to be sacked like 93 times. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was actually, they ran that stat Thursday night football too, where it was something along the lines of, the numbers have gone down some, but it was he was he was on pace to be sacked or hit, I think like 110 or 80 times. Like, it was a very large number. And you say to yourself, well, that's obviously not what you want from your quarterback. Now, the rest of the league is basically... Two and two. I mean, they're not all like the Vikings are three and one, the Saints are one and three, that kind of thing. But the Browns are two and two, the Falcons are two and two, the Seahawks are two and two. It's week four, and it's kind of super muddy, super confusing. There's just some interesting things. I don't think Justin Fields has really done a lot to kind of prove to anybody that he's the long term answer. I guess we'll see you know, over there in Chicago. This is his second or third year as the starter. It's a brand new regime over there. They didn't draft him. I think they're just kind of watching to see what happens. But I'm willing to bet that if he finishes the year, it's not by much. Uh, the Jets, they finally, Joe Flacco went back to the bench. And Zach Wilson, who hurt himself in the preseason, not hurt himself, but got hurt in the preseason, got to start. And he finished with 252 yards and a touchdown in a squeaker against the worse than the Jets uh, Steelers. Good for him. I'm glad he's making it out there. The Steelers put Mitchell Trubisky on the bench and sent out old Kenny Pickett. 
the rookie, and he looked okay. He didn't look bad. It was a good change of pace for them. They needed something. They're finally putting down the true biscuit. My my true uh, favorite, <laughs> just terrible quarterback. <laughs> I love him so yeah, much. Yeah, honestly, I mean, there's it's. I think they. I mean, I think they knew what they were doing. I think they knew that. Look, uh, Mitchell Trubisky is gonna. Yeah, you got me saying it. Mitchell Trubinsky is going to be out there for a couple of weeks, and then eventually we want to hand this over to the rookie. And I think that's the goal. It wouldn't surprise me if Mitchell Trubisky starts the next few games, but if they don't go well, if they if they start struggling in game, then they'll pull him and send out the rookie. Uh, I don't think they're just going to hand it over to the rookie right now. I think they're going to let him play a few more games. Ravens and Bills is really most people believe a competition of two of the best teams in football, especially in the same conference in the AFC, and it wound up being a, a real banger. These these two teams, it was a low-scoring 23-20 affair. It, it had its controversial decisions by coaches. It was a weird game. The Ravens uh, tied 20-20, went for it on a fourth down late in the game, knowing that the Bills were going to get the ball back. The question then became, why didn't they take the points? And he gave kind of an interesting answer. Uh, Harbaugh did at the press conference. He, he said... We knew if we took the three points that holding the Bills to whatever we need to hold them to is going to be hard no matter what. Um, so we wanted the touchdown to kind of force them into the most uncomfortable situation. Plus, we were playing with the tie. So it's not like a if we don't convert it, we lose situation. However, they did lose the game because the Bills got it, went down the field, and kicked a field goal. Also, the bigger hurt was that play ended in an interception in the end zone. So instead of the Bills starting on like their two-yard line and having to go 98 yards, they started on the 80. Or they started on the 20 and they only had to go 80. That's a, that's a tough – I mean, that's a tough call, but I mean, high-risk, high-reward. Yeah, and you – Or in this case, uh, high-risk, no-reward. <laughs> right, high-risk, lose. But, he, but he's not wrong in how he lays out the logic of it. The um, I mean, I didn't disagree with what he was saying. I get what he's saying. It's like if we if we score a touchdown there, it means the Bills can at best tie us, assuming we both make the extra points. If we make a touchdown there, it gives us an opportunity to win, even if they take points. Like I understand what he was saying. However, yeah, they're gonna have to do better than what they had. Yeah, the play wasn't great. It was a it was a rollout bootleg. Uh, pass play and Lamar Jackson doesn't get it where it's trying to go because he's running backwards as he throws it and he's about 15 yards off the line of scrimmage when he finally makes the pass. It just wasn't the right play. Um, looking looking at the rest of the league, kind of the two big things, three big things I guess. The Rams won the Super Bowl. They are now two and two. They lost to the 49ers last night in a 24-9 just beating. Matthew Stafford looks good and then looks terrible. He threw one of the ugliest pick sixes I had ever seen on a screen pass. He tried to loft it over some defenders in the middle and basically just floated this ball so that the, the safety could just come all the way up, just tap it into his own hands and sprint untouched into the end zone to finish with a shrug to the 49ers home crowd. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little rough, buddy. <laughs> it was, it was rough. It was rough to watch. The Chiefs in a rematch of the Super Bowl from two years ago, two years, three years ago, two years ago. They played the the Buccaneers Sunday night. The 
Two important things for this. Tom Brady looked beatable. The Bucks looked beatable. The Chiefs looked unbeatable. They looked like a Ferrari that flies. I don't I don't know how you stop them at this point. They're somehow not the only undefeated team. They're not on they're not even under three and one. Um, Who did they lose to again? I they lost like week two, right? I, yeah, they lost early. Uh and it was a weird one. And then this is the important one, I think. This is the team that a lot of people were saying is going to be good. This conference, this division was supposed to be good. Broncos and Raiders played. The Raiders won. The Raiders got off the schneid. They had lost three in a row. They are now one and three. The Broncos are now two and two. And really, they should be one and three because the Texans game was a loss for them. Like, it was, they didn't deserve to win that game by any stretch. The reality is, everyone thought Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos, Man, I always forget who's their friend. The Chargers is also in their division. Everyone thought that was going to be four teams that all are going to try and make the playoffs. At this point, I it, it might just be the Chargers and the Chiefs. That went from a real competitive division to yeah, it's, it's literally just these two guys. I don't and like even one of them's questionable. Well, and, and the Chargers, they just if they could get healthy, they'll look a lot better. You got to remember when they played us, they had about four key pieces in in dire injury situation or just completely so injured they couldn't play mm, that's that's never helping anything that's a good sign the broncos though i mean they they went and they made a big trade and signed him to the extension for russell wilson they paired him with this rookie head coach hire with this rookie offensive coordinator they were doing all this big crazy innovative stuff they were ready to make this giant leap forward and it has been an unmitigated disaster they lost to the raiders by nine points yeah on sunday that's what I'm talking about. It's it's a it's a real mess over there. This is this is the good quality football that I love about really exciting people that are like, oh man, excitable people where they're like, oh man, this is gonna be great. We're doing all this crazy stuff, and it's like, but how good is it? And the answer was terrible. Yeah, you can win an off season and be miserable in a regular season, and the Denver Broncos are showing people that right now because I don't think there was any doubt that getting Russell Wilson. Coming into the season, a lot of people said, "Hey, that's a huge, that's a huge get. That's going to be great for them." Now, me personally, I'm not a big Russell Wilson fan, and neither is Pete Carroll. Apparently, it seems like, because the truth is, the Seahawks are two and two, and if you compare Geno Smith's uh, stats to what Russell Wilson was doing during the Seahawks Super Bowl run. It's pretty comparable, and if you compare Geno Smith's stats to what Russell Wilson is doing right now, Geno Smith looks like the better quarterback head and shoulders, and and there's no one who's going to have the conversation with you that says that Geno Smith is the better quarterback. So I think the Seahawks are pretty happy that they gave up the expensive guy, they kept the cheap guy, they're giving him his chance to start. Now, Geno Smith has had a, a, a long, confusing career in the NFL. He was supposed to be the starter for the Jets for a second, and it never worked out. He backed up the Giants. He backed up somewhere else. I don't even remember where it was. But he was never going to be the starter. This is really the first time since those Jets days, probably seven or eight years ago now, that he has a chance to actually start in the NFL. And, I, you know, for his sake, I hope he makes the best of it. All he really has to do is successfully hand the ball off and not turn the ball over and convert third downs. But that's what any quarterback has to do. And a lot of them struggle with it. So... Like, those are the basics, and quarterbacks still don't make it in the NFL. But 
they're going to try and be on every practice squad in the known universe. Josh Rosen wants every backup job. Look, maybe that's the job I want. Maybe I should just be the backup guy on every list. Like, Let me tell you, you want to be the backup as long as you don't have to actively... Yeah, I want like it. I want play, you know the like, classic, you know, really talented, you know, front runner, and then like a good backup, and then I'm like third on the list. You you want you want to be the guy that everyone thinks is great or like has potential. You thinks well, no, 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 because then the fans are calling for uh, you. You want to be the guy that everyone knows can go in and give you two good games, but they pray their quarterback never goes down. Yeah, they're like... That's the guy you want to be. Because you don't want to play preseason. So, like, in preseason, you can be like, oh, my ankle's tweaked. I don't want to play those two weeks. And the coach is like, yeah, it's cool. We know you're good enough. We're just going to let some other some other arms work out in the preseason. And you're like, no, yeah. And then when the preseason ends... Yeah, when the preseason ends, they send those guys home. You get to keep $2 million. And you get to ride the roster while Peyton Manning plays all 17, 18 games. Uh, that's what you want. That's That's ideal. what I'm trying to be. The the name of the name the person you want to be is Chase Daniels. He has been a backup in the league for I think ten years now. Yeah, I think he's got maybe five starts in that whole ten year career. He's made, and there is not a team that wouldn't sign him if he was available in the off season. He's just so talented and so skilled. It's it's. Oddly, that is exactly what you're going to hear from any the coaching staff that signs him every offseason. You're going to hear, we're thrilled to get him. We know now that if our guy goes down for a couple of weeks, Chase can go in there. He's going to know the system. He's going to be prepared and ready to go. He's going to get us a couple quality wins while our guy rests and recuperates. This guy's just this guy's, this guy is the, the, the super sharp knife you keep at the back of your drawer, and you're like, man, eventually I'll use this. <laughs> There is almost no evidence to say that Chase Daniel will go out there and get you yeah, no. two or three qualities. You, you got it, like, you got it, at, a, you got no it at a Chinese strip mall. Like This could be the sharpest or the lamest blade in the universe, but it sure is there. <laughs> like, it's like a mall katana. I like You're like, you oh, it. that looks nice. It's, oh my god, you just said mall katana. Yeah, okay, that's Chase Daniels is the mall, mall katana. I can't argue that. Like, people are like, man, right. that is really nice. And you're like, it's going to be great. I don't know if he'll ever use it, but it'll be great when I have it. Yeah. I hope to God I never have to cut anything with this knife, but I've got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay, everybody. Let me tell you all about the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More Adventure Stadium. That's right. And we already know about the great and wonderful comics and, tra- and trading card store they have on the first floor. They also now have on the second floor a sports memorabilia store and sports trading cards. It's awesome. Get up there to the stadium right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, the second floor above the, the original Adventure Begins, and the Marcel Town Center. Make sure to check them out. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more, the Adventure Stadium. Let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene, Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team-building exercises, geek-themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. 
Gamers Inner Circle, are you in yet? It's time to trade in your face masks for masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone Indoor Paintball has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. Family friendly, low impact activities for everybody. Go check them out. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. It's never a good idea to drink and drive, but what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs. Someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has spent hundreds of hours in a hands-on lab course learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asen is a designated lawyer scientist and the lawyers at Asen Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. Or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. So now we got to talk about the big elephant in the room. And the big elephant is head injuries. Uh, the Dolphins have announced that Tua uh, Tayavoya... I'm never going to say his last name right. And I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't know. Tua is not going to... He's already out for this week's game for the Dolphins. And considering he got hurt the earliest game possible last week, and they already know on today, Tuesday, that he is not going to play this week for them, that is telling. That is kind of a big deal. Uh, So, and what happens, for those who aren't aware, and I'm not sure how you wouldn't be, but let's kind of recap it. Two weeks ago... He got thrown to the ground and kind of an innocent enough looking play. When he went to get up, he stumbled, fell back to the ground, and staggered to his feet again and just looked wobbly and uncertain. His offensive lineman grabbed him, one of the refs walked over, and they pointed him over to the sidelines, and he walked over to the sidelines. At the sidelines, allegedly, the conversation was he didn't hit his head. He said... I'm fine, I have a neck and back injury. He was saying that his neck and back were so hurt that he couldn't stay on his feet for a couple seconds, but now he feels better. The independent neurologist did examine him, apparently cleared him to return. The Dolphins then put him back into the second half of that game. Flash forward to the Thursday night game uh, last week, and early, I mean... I think, I think halfway through the first quarter, he gets thrown to the ground, another violent kind of toss to the ground, as sometimes the de- defensive lineman will do if they don't get there in time for the sack, but they do get there in time to make sure you remember that they were there the next time. He hits his head on the ground and immediately goes into what really honestly looks like a seizure. The fingers cramp up in an uncomfortable position. Uh, he's making an awkward face in the face mask. Everyone freaks out. They're calling people over. The game is stopped. A couple commercial breaks in a row. They get him on a stretcher. They take him immediately to a hospital. The family is taken to the hospital. When he gets to the hospital, by the end of the evening, before the game is over, he has movement in all his extremities. He's already taken all of his vi- all of the visual tests, the MRIs, the x-rays, all that stuff. He is already on his way back to meet the Miami Dolphins at the airport. He's going to fly home with the team. 
But at that time, people are now asking questions. Wait a minute. He went out with a head injury last week and came back in. And when he came back in, the NFLPA said they weren't sure that that should have been allowed and were going to do an investigation. They had literally just started moving the pieces to begin an investigation when Thursday night he has the repeat incident. By, by Monday morning, the breaking news story was that they had fired the I think even I think I saw it Friday morning too. They had fired the independent neurologist that was on the sidelines for that Miami Dolphins game Thursday or uh, two weeks ago, and they fired him because apparently he did multiple things wrong, and Tua probably should not have gotten back on the field. These they have how this is all set up is there are spotters who are watching all the players in the stands. There's and they're allegedly communicating directly with the league, as well as. A couple spotters on the sidelines, and each sideline has their own independent neurologist who works for the league, not for the team, and whose job it is. They interview these guys at the beginning of the year, and they really grill them hard in the beginning of the year asking baseline questions to really determine acuity and, and response rate and things like that. And then post-head injury or suspected head injury, they go back and compared to that old compared to those old responses. They ask them the same questions, and they're trying to determine if they're present or not, if they're mentally aware of what's going on or not. So it's tough to say what happened in that interview or if the interview even happened at all. But Tua made it back on the field two weeks ago, and it's pretty apparent that he shouldn't have. It's very apparent by the next Thursday that he shouldn't have because he has another head injury. And it's very apparent that something was screwed up because they've already announced that he's not playing this week. So clearly he is dealing with an issue. He is in the concussion protocols and there's going to be an investigation into why this is allowed into why, why it happened at all. Now the dolphins are saying all the right things. He came to the sideline complaining of, of neck and back injury, not head injury. They, the doctors looked at him, the independent neurologist gave the okay to put him back in. So they're, they are saying they're clear as far as they're concerned. They did everything right, they are saying. It's tough to know until more comes out if that's true or not. But here's where the issue starts to get obvious that it's a league-wide issue still. Sunday night, the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing. Cameron Braid is a starting tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's a play, I think he, if I remember right, he's jumping for jumping to make a catch. He falls to the ground. He is down on the ground in a clearly unconscious manner for a couple of seconds. He then gets back up. You can see him shaking his head. You can see him kind of banging his helmet like they do sometimes. And you can tell that he's trying to clear cobwebs. Now, nobody says anything to him. And, and I believe it's coming up on a punt situation, so he goes to the sidelines anyway. He sits on the sidelines for the next couple of plays. I don't even think he was just in those formations is all it really was. But a couple of plays later, he goes back on the field and is on the field playing. They then, a little bit later, uh, when they go into the locker room from halftime, he doesn't come back out of the locker room. And he's in the locker room under concussion protocols, and they're evaluating him, and he's unavailable for the rest of the game. He played snaps after he hurt himself. And there's footage that they showed when they were talking about him where he's standing on the sidelines looking around, and the feeling that I get from looking at his face is that he has no idea where he's at. He looks lost. So I think that they screwed up yet again, and a second player in the same week where all this is going on 
walked out on the field after a head injury when he wasn't supposed to. So this is not just one isolated incident now. No, no. Now it's now it's multiple teams. And here's the thing that's really more important. And you and I talk about this all the time. You can make a mistake. But once you're on alert for something, you better not make that mistake again. The fact that the league knew the player association was going to look into it pre-Thursday game, then Thursday Tua goes down. Do you believe for a second on Friday afternoon or Friday day the league wasn't talking to all of their independent neurologists? Do you think for a second there isn't a memo or a phone call or an email that says, guys, be on your game, don't screw up, Head injuries are head injuries are head injuries. Everything is going through the protocols. I mean, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's there, but that's the problem of hiring people of quality who are going to always follow the rules. Some people. It's the NFL, baby. They got money. There's no question that these are probably expensive and competent doctors. The question is, are they truly independent? These aren't the people of the of. Yeah, I'm sure that they're they're qualified, but I'm. I'm not so sure of their integrity. Yeah, and I think that that's fair to question at this point. I think integrity is the word of the day for this. I think these quote unquote independent neurologists have made decisions that are financially and job motivated. You and I have worked a job before. We won't go into details about it, but. We're, it was our job to say yes or no, and people were supposed to stop what they were doing based on what we said. However, we were told by our bosses in the brief time that we worked there, don't stop production no matter what. So you have to balance. Like, okay, the league wants the stars to play. What are you supposed to do when the stars are the one getting the head right, injuries? Because the correct, the, the ethical and correct thing would be, this person has been hurt. We need to get them attention and you know remove them from the situation as soon as possible because you like the worst thing about head injuries is that everything can turn so fast there's so little we understand about the brain to this day where which is nuts right it's nuts there's this big gooey thing in the center every, of head every single decision you've made in your entire life and head injuries are so scary not only to the athletes but to everyone like Talk to anyone who's had a severe head injury, and they're like, either they're fine or their life is completely different. Like, it's yeah, yeah. And you hear those stories of people who are totally different afterwards. People who become, I mean, I'm sorry to go this crazy with it, but this has happened. There are people who get frontal lobe injuries, and the frontal lobe they think influences um, risk assessment and things like that. So people with these frontal lobe injuries, all of a sudden, they don't. They're not as concerned about the outcomes of things, and so they start doing questionable things, illegal things, violent things, and it's because they, they're not worried about long-term consequences because their brain Right, is and this is coming from a league where it's like they've already covered up, and they're trying to move away from these allegations of, you know, just abusing their players. They've ruined people's lives. <laughs> well, and how, many, and how many of these players quickly be... I don't want to paint with a broad brush, and I'm not everyone, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but how many players become domestic abusers? How many players get accused of assault, of punching women, of domestic violence? Part of it has got to be associated on some level with some of these brain injuries, and a lot of these players, 
you know, they say I'm different now than I was before I started playing. And a lot of these players in their 30s have already donated their brains to science when they die. Uh, Junior Sale was one of the most famous, just most important linebackers in like the 90s era. And when he killed himself, he shot himself in the chest with a gun because he wanted his brain to be examined by the, the scientists. Like that's insane to me that it came to suicide for a guy like Junior Seau. But the truth is, that's what happens in the league. These guys, it's as much money as possible, as fast as possible. Some of them, it's the fame. They can say it's for love of the game or whatever, but if this game was free, I don't know that they would still do this. Uh, it's a, it's about the money. It's about the, the opportunity, the economic opportunity it creates. And I understand all of that. I just wish there was a safer outcome for some of these people. And it, and the league's job is to take care of these guys, even when these guys don't want to. I'm not mad that Tua wanted back in. I'm upset that there was allegedly an independent doctor who didn't right. stop and him. Even, from going and back even in. taking his story into account, you wouldn't clear him anyways. Like, oh man, I got hurt really bad. My my back hurts. Hmm, that might be really important in the football yeah, game. Yeah, my you back think? and my. My back and my neck were hurt so bad that I couldn't stand on my own two right. feet. Like, but I'm ready just, to go back. Like, it, it just seems suspicious all the way through. No, I, I agree, and it's a dangerous precedent. And it's it if 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 the neuro, now because he's a neurologist, maybe he's like, well, that's up to the team doctor then, because it's not a brain thing. And he just stepped out of it completely. First of all, that makes him a coward. But secondly. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that in that regard if he bowed out of it. But even then, the team doctor, but we know what a team doctor is going to do. It says it in the title. He works for the team. Yeah, and also they have to, you know, they also have to protect, you know, if two is doing good and two gets hurt, that hurts the team. Like, he needs to, like, they have to protect their assets. We always talk about, like, the one game, while it does, like, show the grit and the, the grind, is also one game isn't worth your whole career. Right, except, you know, these guys all do it. Byron Leftwich, famously, when he was still in college as a quarterback at uh, Marshall, played on a broken ankle. The team carried him to and from the huddles. That's insane. Like, he could have lost his leg playing that game. But instead, he goes out and he guts it out, and it's one of the gutsiest performances in the history of all of sports, and it will be remembered forever. But it isn't something that should be worshipped. Like, we should, the stigma should be, you played hurt, that's crazy. But instead, the stigma is Justin Herbert's going to get a shot and he's going to go out there and play through cracked cartilage. He could die. Yeah, or at least at the very least make his injury worse. Uh, well, here was something that came out. J.J. Watt's mad because someone found out about this and apparently leaked it to the media so a news story was going to break. So he released a statement before the news story broke. His heart went into AFib Wednesday night before the, the game over the weekend. So he had to go in, get defibrillated, and then he played Sunday. Man, what a crazy man. Heart of Houston, that's, but that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. There's there, Nobody's going to look at you sideways if you get defibrillated on Wednesday or Thursday and you don't play football on Sunday. No one. No one's going to look at you and be like, why isn't JJ out there? Like, it was just electricity through his heart. Yeah. What a baby. It's just that his heart wasn't beating regularly. You know, the thing you need to survive and live as a human being. Right. And then the comments were so just stupid. Some people were like, AFib's not a big deal. A lot of people go through it. I've never been 
shocked once in my life. I don't, I don't, I'm 39 years old. I've been through some stuff. No one's ever had to shock me back to life. Like, I, I'm sorry. That sounds like it might be serious. Uh, maybe, maybe just as serious as brain injuries. But someone should be looking over JJ's heart with a fine-tooth comb. Like, I don't understand what's... I don't, there's this there's this weird thing about machoism that says you got to play. But we've got to do something to protect these guys from themselves and from the league. And by the way, just, just to wrap it up, there was a player, and I don't remember who he was, but he was on Seattle, and he made the point, man, they're out here finding us when our socks don't match, when we don't wear the right clothes to warm up, when our sneakers aren't in regulation, and yet... They're letting guys go out there and play two games in a row with a concussion. Like, this is not about player safety. They are not here for safety. It's time to have a real conversation. And he's right. He's absolutely right. 100%. All right, guys. We're done preaching to you. This has been another edition of Battle Red Radio. We're going to jump out. We're going to tune in tomorrow. Colton's going to come back, and we're going to talk Texans wins. Colton's on vacation. He won't be coming back. No, no. No, no. He comes back tomorrow, and then he goes away the rest of the week. Oh, my skin yeah. is terrible. Calendars are hard to read. There's numbers involved, and you've got all those head injuries. Also, mm, by the way, yeah. anyone curious in how that story ends, Nico and I had a job. We won't go into any specifics of details, because that's not how you do things. But uh, we did it for about four weeks, because it became a real clear that it was a conflict of interest, that they they didn't want us to do what they hired us. They hired us to be inspectors, and they didn't want us to do that. Uh, uh, so, I worked for six weeks, thank you very much. I worked for four weeks, and then they... They'll tell you they let us go, which is fine with me. I was fine with that at that point. But they let us go because we were trying to, you know, do our jobs. But I was uh, more upset they fired me before my birthday. <laughs> I was not upset about any of it. I was ha- I was more than happy to go. I said, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But on behalf of everybody listening, thank you very much for coming to hang out with us today on edition of Battle Red Radio. This is Corey DLG. With me, as always, is producer Nico. Colton will be back tomorrow. And then correctly... Nico said Colton does go on vacation, so you're here with us for a week of shows after that. You're welcome. It's like Christmas comes in October now.